0: saints church podcast wherever you are whether at home or on the move we are just so happy to have you tuning in and receiving the word that pastor brett has to share so let's just jump right in we are in a brand new uh series we started it last week it's called brick by brick just turn to your neighbor and say brick by brick brick by brick Brick brick. and um If you missed last week, then not a problem. Head on Uh, in our weekly email every single week that we send out on Tuesdays. uh, That's the hub of all the information in our church. It comes out every single Tuesday and we throw some bonus uh, Friday emails in there. But you'll find links to last week's message and uh, you'll be able to keep caught up in in all the great things that are happening. We've got another episode of our podcast coming out this week. So you're gonna, if you got questions about the church, that's a place to answer it. That's a place to connect. And we'd love to do that. That all happens in our our weekly email that comes every Tuesday. And if you're signed up for a seat today, we've already taken care of that and you'll be getting your first email this Tuesday. All right, as we dive into the work, uh, I've got a very simple message today. It's called the Blueprint for Breakthrough. The Blueprint for Breakthrough. So if you're taking notes, uh, that's a great place to start. If you're sitting in the lower bowl, you can take notes on your phone. If you're in the upper bowl, you got all the light on and you can write those things down. The Blueprint for Breakthrough, And we're gonna start in the book of Proverbs. There's nothing like a proverb to start us off. Proverbs 24, five, four, wow, I'm reading it out of the Amplified uh, version. It's verses three and four. It says, through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled. With all precious and pleasant riches. There is a process by which we build our lives. There is a process on how we build and we construct every part of our being, our 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 family life, our work life. Maybe you're building a business. There's a there's a way. And can I tell you there's two ways? There's your way, and there's God's way. We believe that the scripture is filled with timeless truths for everyday life, that, that that this book and these words are more than just words written by a collection of over 40 authors. These are the words of God breathed and inspired, and that on every page, not only do we find hope in life, but we find Jesus, and on every page, we find a blueprint for our lives. So as we're in this season right now, we know that there is a way, that there is a process, that there's a skillful and godly way. Wisdom that's required to build a house, a home, a family, a church, a business. And by unlocking that understanding, there is a revelation that comes to us. And now that's a word that we don't use a lot, but there's this understanding that settles in. And oftentimes we think we need to understand ourselves more. The truth is, as we begin to learn more in know Jesus more on a personal level, the more we learn about him, the more we learn about us. Because he handcrafted, created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He put us together. Brick by brick, he put you together. And brick by brick, he wants to build your life, build your home, build your family, and build his church. So as our understanding in him grows, we learn how we live life We learn how to love and my life can look more and more like him and by knowledge, My life, the rooms of my life, the different areas and spheres and sectors of my life are filled with all precious and pleasant riches, which is, if we look at Ephesians 3.20, the benediction written by the apostle Paul is exceedingly abundantly more than I could ask, think, imagine, or dream. The truth is Jesus wants more for you in your life than you want for you in your life. Jesus believes in you more than you believe in you. Jesus has a purpose for you that is so much greater than the scope of what you are considering right now because the scope of what you are considering right now is your idea, but God has a different idea for your life. Isaiah 55 says that God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So when I think about my life in the way that I think about my life, I think my thoughts for my life. But when I, my understanding of Jesus, when my relationship is deepened and my connection is stronger, I start thinking God's thoughts about my life. And that reframes things. See, the way Jesus looks at things is different than the way I look at things. Yesterday, I did a a COVID wedding, which is exciting. There's nobody there. It was live streamed. Did two ceremonies to fit people in. Never done that before. But in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. You know what, when I think about my life and I think about my situation, I think about my circumstance, Know what I'm, you know what I'm really good at? Keeping score, right? I'm really good at keeping score. I'm really good at knowing who said that thing to me or who did that thing or who went on social media or who sent me that message or who submitted that comment card. I'm really good at keeping score, Right? I'm really good, that's my hardwired perspective. But the truth is, I'm so glad that Jesus isn't good at keeping score. Maybe he's great at it, but he only only keeps score so he can wipe it away. See, my kids have this air hockey table and we love to play air hockey, but Kingston loves it when you just, he's my youngest son, he's six. He loves it when we keep scoring. And I start beating him because there's no mercy and suddenly you have to lo- win, lo- like learn there's winners and losers in this life. It's a joke, people. It's all right. But what he loves to do when I start to pull ahead is he loves to pull the scores back to zero. He's like, can't we just enjoy enjoy it? I wonder if you would find more fulfillment in your relationships if you stopped keeping score. And you thought about your relationships in the way that Jesus thinks about you. See, I'm so glad that he's reframing our understanding. We're in a season right now where we're actually rebuilding. We're in a rebuild. We understand this as Oilers fans. We've been rebuilding for years. We understand the, the downside in our spiritual journey is there's no first round draft pick in our life. I mean, you're the first round draft pick in your life but we got something better than Connor McDavid to stick, handle our way through sticky situations. We have Jesus who can lead us and guide us. The truth is in this season, in society, we're in a rebuild. We're rebuilding the social construct of what it is to do life post-COVID. You're having to rebuild relationships and friendships, careers, businesses. You're having to rebuild, guess what, church. All these things are in the midst of a rebuild, so we have a choice to make. Are we going to rebuild them on our ideas or our ideologies, or are we going to rebuild them on Jesus, who is a strong and a firm foundation? That's the choice that we have to wrestle with. That's what we have to decide. We're in a rebuild. And I'm so glad that as we rebuild, that I get to make a decision to live like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to follow Jesus one step at a time. Because when I think like Jesus, I learn to be a person of grace and a person of peace because Jesus Jesus has set out to reframe society in such a way see here's what he's doing everything that, that that is going on outside of these walls that you see on the internet that you deal with in your conversations with broken relationships people divided by mass or no va- mass vaccines or known vaccines the truth is we have the ability to reframe all of those conversations because with Jesus there's a way of grace and there's a way of peace and you see I'm so glad that Jesus says you know what with me there is no such thing as cancel culture because If there's anyone who had the right to cancel me, it was Jesus Christ. When he looked at my sin, my shame, iniquity, he looked at the score. He said, You know what? I'm going to wipe it clean so that you can have hope and you can have life and you can have freedom. I wonder what might happen in your family, in your home, in your job, in the office if you started canceling the score out and you said, You know what? I'm going to look at you the way that Jesus looks at me and I'm going to look at you as forgiven. There is an epidemic that's plaguing our society and it's unforgiveness. It's not COVID. That's here too. But it's unforgiveness because my life is defined by navigating and moving around and working around those broken relationships instead of leaning in and looking the way that Jesus looks. It says, you're worth it. I love you. I believe in you, and the best is yet to come. Come on, is it just me in here today? Yeah. Yes, it's just me in here today. All right, come on, DeAndre. It's just me in here today. Okay, so we're looking. Um, that, that's all not in the notes. So we're we're looking at Nehemiah and we're looking at Ezra. So important things to us to know for my Bible scholarly type people. Is that the stories of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are all deeply interwoven. The order's actually a little mixed up. If you were to look at, look at it more chronologically, it would be Ezra, Esther, Nehemiah. There's a long time when Ezra and Nehemiah were actually considered as one book, and it was what God was doing, get this, in three waves, to restore his people. So they faced three waves. And with each wave, he focused on a different area and he rebuilt something different. Now, for historical context, the Israelites were a captured and oppressed people. They were captured under uh, Babylon and they were taken away, that's the book of Daniel. And they were taken away the best and the brightest. There's a big brain drain and they were, they were just living under the oppression of that government. That government falls. God then uses three distinct kings Persian kings to move forward his will, his plan, and his purpose. Somebody needs to hear this today that when you think that things are insurmountable and that things can't happen and there's too big of a power structure or a construct in place, I need to remind you that in Ezra, Esther, and Nehemiah, God spoke through three Persian kings, people that weren't even following him to move forward his plans and his purpose. I believe there's some of us in this room, there's people within your sphere that you think are against you that God is actually going to use to move forward his plans that he has for you in your life. When things look like they're too much, when the walls are too high, and and things look like you're just stuck and you're just trapped and things are crumbling, the reality is God is already on the move. Nehemiah chapter 1. In this last wave, The Israelites have tried for basically a century or so to rebuild, rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the city of God. In their minds, the city of God was special. It was emblematic, symbolic of a promise. And they just kept trying and they just kept failing, but God was moving things forward brick by brick. Nehemiah, what I love about Nehemiah, sorry, so much context. What I love about Nehemiah is that he's just an average guy. He's a guy who worked a job in another country. He's an expat. A guy who worked his way up through governmental administration to eventually be at the right hand of the king, but not at the right hand of the king in the way that you would suspect. So he was a cupbearer, and the cupbearer had a really simple job. Take a sip of the drink's Of the king's cup before he drank it, and if you died, well, the king wouldn't drink it. (laughs) And if you lived, he'd take a sip. So you lived in this place of like every day could be my last. And I think that's what's so compelling to me about Nehemiah. The construct of his thought process was, all right, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you every single day that I go to work. And I'm going to trust you every single time I pick up that cup. And I'm going to maximize every single day because every single day could be my last. So Nehemiah, this guy who works in government administration, hears this news from back home. It says things are not going well in Nehemiah 1 verse 3. For those who return to the province of Judah, they're in great trouble, in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, this is Nehemiah speaking, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Have you ever been hit with that kind of news? That kind of news that just kind of takes your breath away. Have you ever been in that moment where you're not even all that emotionally invested, but it just kind of hits you like a ton of bricks? Nehemiah hasn't ever lived in Jerusalem. He just knows that there's a promise of God. And when they're not succeeding, he feels like, God is not succeeding or things are not moving forward. There's no, he's just got this broken heart. He's, he's in the midst of broken heart and broken pieces. He takes it personally, but he takes it straight to the Lord and he starts praying and fasting and calling out saying God. And then all of a sudden he's like, listen, I'm moved to action. I gotta take this thing on. I gotta move ahead. I, like We could do this thing. Now, this is what's important to know. He's an average guy with an average job, well, above average job, but below average if you realize he could die at any time. The risk factor is quite high. And all of a sudden, something starts stirring inside of him that this thing that God wants to do, somehow he gets the sense that God wants him to be a part of it. I believe that there's a stirring and there's a stirring happening right now. And I believe that the stirring has happened from seat to seat and from home to home where there's something inside of you that sees things the way they are right now, sees these broken systems, sees the need for a rebuild, a rebuild of families, a rebuild of businesses, a rebuild of the church, a rebuild of our society. And there's something inside of you that says, you know what, I'm gonna take this personally and I'm gonna take it to the Lord. And you know what, I'm gonna be a part of what God wants to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it on. When I think about the way Nehemiah was hit I think about the writer of Proverbs describing it in Proverbs 13 as hope deferred that makes the heart sick. Now when Nehemiah gets hit, this happens in Nehemiah 1 verse 1, it happens in late autumn. I want you to notice this in the next chapter over in Nehemiah 2 verse 1, it says the following spring. The following spring, Nehemiah took what God was stirring in his heart, what he was doing on the inside of him. In the following spring, he did something about it. The following spring, he took action. You see, sometimes uh, when we get hit with these things, we get this stirring, we're not sure because it just feels like a little prompt or a a little poke. And we're like, do I do something about it? My friends, can I tell you, if, if there's a prompting, if there's a poke, if there's a stirring and you just can't shake it, there's a good chance that the Lord is trying to tell you something. And he's just like those callers that call and say that there's a CRA coming to get you. He never stops calling. The old New Testament says he stands at the door and he knocks. But notice the first moment he was overcome by emotion, then he took it to the Lord in fasting and prayer. And he started to ask the Lord, how do you want me to handle this? And then the following spring, he took action. I just need to encourage somebody that God has a right time. There is a right time. There is a timing of the Lord. And you don't always have to jump. See, I'm an impatient person. Desiree helps teach me patience every day because I'm an impatient person. I just want things to happen right now. It's why I have an Amazon problem that we're just working through in Jesus' name because I just want to order it and I just want it to arrive right now. Like I, it's, it's a good thing I don't live in a city where you can get a delivery in an hour, you know? I just, I'm an instant person. I think in this next season, Jesus is not only going to speak to you about what comes next, but he's speaking to you about the timing of what comes next. There's a timing point. Some need to go, some need to slow. Some need to go. Some need to slow. Let's go to the, all the way back to the Old Testament. Let's go to Exodus and we'll go to chapter five. We're gonna go to Exodus chapter five. And I only wanna put this in because we're talking about building our lives one brick at a time, brick by brick, that Jesus is gonna build our lives and build his church, do things which are deeply interwoven. See, it's so funny when we think about, well, he's gonna build my life and he's gonna build the church. Don't you realize that they're the same thing? that you are the church and that when he builds his church, he builds your life. So in Exodus chapter five, Moses is trying to uh, get Pharaoh to let his people go. And Pharaoh says, no, and Pharaoh has a temper tantrum. That same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They needed straw as a Key ingredient to make their bricks because when they use straw, it causes the other uh, ingredients to set and to dry faster. They could build more and they could build faster if they had straw as a binder and as an ingredient to dry everything else out. When they didn't have it, they would fall behind because the clay itself would take too long to dry. So Pharaoh is just digging it in. He said, Listen, I'm coming to get you and I'm coming after you and you keep it up. Listen to what he says here. He says, They are lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. That's why they wanna go worship because they're lazy. Load them with more work, make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. Listen. There are times in this next coming season when we are rebuilding our church and our lives brick by brick there are times and seasons when a voice will come that is a voice of a mocker that is coming to say, you're doing it wrong, you're lazy, You're not resourceful, you don't have what you need, you're not good enough, you don't measure up. There is a voice of a mocker. And did you hear what the mocker says? That will teach them for listening to those lies. The lies that he was talking about is the hope in life that's found in Jesus. The lies that he was talking about was, this will teach them for for believing that God could deliver, that God could make a way. Now, here's what we know happens. We know God comes through. But when you're in the middle of the moment and you're living the narrative... All you can think is about the voice of opposition, the voice of the mocker, the voice of the re- resistance that's inside and that it's outside. And there could even be families and friends. And dare I say, there may other be other believers in your life who do not understand what Jesus is doing in you, through you and around you. So what we do is we follow Jesus one step at a time. We silence the voice of the mocker and we understand that when the opposition comes, we're moving in the right direction. And this is what those lazy people did in verse 12. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. Those very same people that were described as lazy said, no, no, we got this. We'll we'll deliver. Why? Because they had a deep insight into who God was. One of the names of God used in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh. Turn to your neighbor if you have one and say Jehovah Jireh. Now turn to the other one. And say, Gyra, Do it aggressively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wake them up. That word simply means provider. God is my provider. God's my provider. The journey to start building can feel like it's being asked of you when it feels like everything around you is nothing but pieces. When our work, in our weariness, meet up with our brokenness. Here's the truth. We cannot do it on our own. Here's another reality as we rebuild. We can't expect things to be what they were. God's doing a new thing. But we can build from where we are and we can start brick by Brick. The theologian George Van Pelt Campbell, what a name, GVP. He says the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are a spiritual, scriptural manual, get this, for revival. The books of Ezra and Nehemiah are a scriptural manual for revival. Revival happens in those who are already believers when we rebuild our lives on Jesus, when we build our church around Jesus. brick. By brick, we put the pieces back together when we understand that we are not enough, but with Jesus, He is more than enough. He starts stirring something in our hearts, He starts moving in our hearts. George Van Pelt Campbell goes on to say that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah show that there is a building of momentum through the generations that if we build a church that looks like Jesus and sounds like Jesus, it's a generational church. And we might not agree all on everything and we might not have the same preferences for everything, but this one thing I know, that we love Jesus and we're following him one step at a time and all we care about his presence. And all we care about is more of him in our lives and in our church. And we can agree to disagree on a lot of things. We have essentials and we have non-essentials. But what we can agree on is this, that you can find hope, life, freedom, healing with Jesus. And every time we gather and we rebuild this church and we build our lives on Jesus every single time, we declare that this is a place where anyone and everyone can discover the hope and life that's found in Jesus. That's what brings us together through the generations. Where do we start? Anyone interested, where do we start? Where do I sign up and where do we start? Let's go to Ezra 3. Ezra 3. Remember, this is a scriptural manual for revival. We'll start at verse 1. In early autumn. When the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. If you have a Bible, underline that. They gathered with a unified purpose. That's what the church looks like and feels like. Then Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, uh, joined his fellow priest Zerubbabel, son of she- uh, Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, who's the man of God. Even though, underline this, even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. Even though they were afraid of the local residents, even though the voice of the mocker was stirred up, even though the voice of the mocker was activated, they rebuilt the altar on its old site. Here we go, three points, okay, rapid fire, the blueprint for breakthrough. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Number one, build the altar, build the altar. What's an altar in scripture? They would take stones and rocks and broken pieces and they would assemble into something that they could burn an animal on. This was a sacrifice that was made to God for a significant reason. He would move them. It was an act of worship. It was also an act of thanksgiving. It was also a memorial act. They would build these altars of stones in places where God did something significant in their lives. I think we have lost this practice because we didn't understand how it translated to the 21st century but how where do we start we build an altar an altar is a place of sacrifice surrender and thanksgiving it's a personal place it's a place of intimacy and worship it's a place where we remember how do we do that in the 21st century first you create time in your schedule second thing you write it down because here's what would happen in the natural in the Old Testament. They would be walking down one way, they'd be headed west on the road and a family would be headed to the market and the son would say to his dad, dad, what's that pile of stones over there? And he would say, oh, that's the altar we built. Do you remember when your grandma was sick? Do you remember when we needed a miracle? That's the altar that we built over there. God, what happened? What happened when you did that? When we did that, God came through. This is the way that God showed his faithfulness. Every time they walked by the altar, they were reminded of the goodness of God. The blueprint for breakthrough starts with building The altar. Write it down. What are you believing for on this day, today? I'm believing for this. And then when God comes through, write it down. Because when you get down the road and the voice of the mocker comes to say, I can't believe you believing Jesus in this season through after all we've been through, after all you've gone through, you say, no, no. I look back to the altars and the markers and I remember and I express my thanksgiving because God came through. When everything feels like it's in pieces, one of the first things you and I should do is gather those pieces together and build an altar and offer it to God. We bring our brokenness, our pain, our pride, our success day by day, brick by brick, morning and evening. And we surrender everything to God. Second thing. Invite Jesus to be present in your pieces. Invite Jesus to be present in your pieces. You know, there's a part of our humanity that says, but I just want to make God proud. I want him to be proud of me. I want my parents to be proud of me. I want my, whoever, my friends, my family, my kid, I want them to be proud of me. And so we wait until we've, cobbled together our broken pieces and we actually live wounded and we live broken but we put on this veneer of strength I wonder what might happen if I understand that Jesus already loves me and he already likes me and I bring him my broken pieces and I invite him into the midst of my brokenness these are the words of Jesus to you today in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest and rest for your souls. I know you think you can find rest for your soul scrolling on Instagram and going down a TikTok rabbit hole, but you don't find rest. You just find comparison and anxiety. I know that you will find you think you will find rest if you could just get to Hawaii or anywhere outside of this country. I promise you you'll find a vacation. But you're not guaranteed to find rest for your soul. I know that you think if you go to the mountains and just hike one more time, you'll find freedom. The truth is, you'll find nature and you'll find God's beauty. But you only find rest for your soul's in Jesus when you Let go. I let go of my ability to control. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, He's trying to actually teach us how to trust Him in the smallest details. Did you catch this? This is a New Living Translation, Matthew 6. Give us today the food we need. He cares about your meal plan, your grocery shopping. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He cares about the state of your soul. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us. Jesus cares for you and how you're doing. Come on, he doesn't need you to be tough. He just needs you to trust. Third thing, are we still away? No, we're not away. Okay, third thing. It's going to seem counterintuitive. Third thing, blueprint for breakthrough. Set your affection on building his house, his house, and not just your own. Set your affection on building his house and not just your own. Earlier, we talked about not just thinking your thoughts about your life, but thinking God's thoughts about you and your life. I wonder what might happen if you also started thinking God thoughts about your family. First Chronicles 29 says, moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the Holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, my time, my talent, my treasure, my resource. I set my affection on building his house Why?" because this is what I've learned. This principle, more than anything else that I have shared with you, has changed my life more than anything else. And all I can do is, in this moment, speak from my experience. His house builds my house. His house builds my house. to know what his house is, his house. The church that he desires is a refuge, a place of healing, a place of help, a place to grow, a place to be covered, a place to connect, a place to cover one another, a place to be built up. think that if we just get our house in order if we just get our families going together we just get our career sorted then we'll come back around and, and then we'll you know we'll revisit the idea but I wonder what might happen if we just put Jesus first say your house first because if I build your house you're going to build my house Joshua 24 as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord. The blueprint for breakthrough, we build the altar. Then we build the temple. Then we build the walls. When we build the altar, we redig, we rebuild a place of personal connection. When we build the temple, we build the church. And when we build the walls, we build our lives. Come on, the Saints Church Podcast. Be sure to tune in next time. We'd love to have you. My name's Nathan signing off. Have a great week.